Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. We're back. <laughs> Again, this Have week just... The, uh, Have you seen the comments on the Facebook page where people are like, is this an April Fool's joke? Oh, my gosh. It is. It is. That's rad. Dude, everything. The show notes are sexy. Like everything's I'm I'm looking. Our music, I think that's going to change, but it hasn't changed yet. But our old episodes have like the the ACDC intro. Uh, That that sounds like ACDC. I don't think I, I realized that until today. I, well, it it was royalty free music. I can guarantee yeah, you. That. I remember which you picked out. Which uh, I was like, yeah, that's which, true. We, somebody like reached out to us and said, "Hey, that's my song." I'm like, oh, we, uh, I bought it royalty free. He goes, "Oh, I have no doubt they sold it to some royalty free." Are music. you serious? I had you don't no remember idea. that? No, yeah. but that's so cool. We should have had him come on and do like a live session in the old podcast back when we did stuff. He probably just hair. played a mean kazoo like me. <laughs> Well, I remember we used to tell people that if you play the podcast backwards, it would say zip, zip, pizza devil. So the fact it has ACD DC music on it and Pete picked it, like it just totally reinforces that conspiracy theory. Pete is a devil. And that is what made this podcast work. I was super holy. You were not. And it just Do worked. You realize, okay. <laughs> Robert has a totally different group of followers who right now, after you just said Pete's the devil, <laughs> have decided to turn off this podcast and will never listen to it again. Yeah, but what does that say about his followers? They're obviously pastors and not church planners. <laughs> oh, man. We're already starting out like that, huh? Yeah, I was talking to Rob Frazier about the fact that we were trying to figure out who's on Monday and who's on Wednesday. Because we knew there would be banter back and forth. They're totally going to hit us and we're going to hit them uh, just for fun and because we're friends. But 
if we go first, we get the first shot, but see, they get the comeback. Like we've, you know what no, I'm saying? See, I disagree. I disagree because everyone wants to hear their week start out with us going to battle with last Wednesday's episode. Ooh. So I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. I think it's leave better. leave it to the marketer to 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 put it where it needs to be in context. I like See, it that. It festers right. over the weekend, and the problem gets resolved on Monday. Oh my gosh! Yes, I love this. So not only do we get the first shot, we get the repartee. Uh, we get the comeback of the comeback. So yeah, we win. Automatically. And what they said next surprised even Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wait for our social media, and we will put them in compromising poses uh, as they hear our comebacks. Surprise looks on their faces. So, okay, so let's uh, let's kind of talk about. Well, I, I mean, today we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to comment on the old show. And I was kind of surprised. I know we got Smack Talk, but I want to let you know where we're going. After we do a bit of Smack Talk, we'll play the story that we opened up with. We didn't have Smack Talk on that. We went straight into a head-on collision with God that happened that Sunday, which was kind of cool because we were planting Refuge Long Beach in real time, talking about it every week, uh, particularly in the early days, the first few, few years of the podcast. I happen to be, be gosh, if I could talk. Uh, one day me talk pretty, uh, but I happen to be planting again right now, which is kind of cool because we can talk stories. But um, yeah, I want to talk about that story and then we'll hit the content next week, uh, which is uh, Ephesians four and the five. So that's where we're going. But smack talk. Let's hit that. Pete, what's going on in your life? Wow, I was ready to start talking about the topic. Uh, what's going on in my life? Hey, I just want to say to that guy who gave us a two-star review because he Ooh. didn't like the smack talk. You know what? Maybe our podcast isn't for you. Why or maybe you Wednesdays is. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was going to say, why don't you go back to your Chuck Swindoll or something like that? You know, go sing a hymnal. No You're way. Chuck Swindoll's way cool. Chuck Swindoll's the I bomb. I, I, I can't I say that. I, let's throw him to... Uh, but oh, he doesn't have smack talk. That's all I'm saying. He doesn't have the smack. Oh, he needs to go. Why don't you go back to your Ed Stetzer podcast? Those boring ones? Oh, wait. We're not supposed <laughs> to say that out loud. Gosh. <laughs> you know, for people like you, there is Ed Stetzer. And Ed's fine. We're, we're just... Ed doesn't... This is not a two-way uh, thing um, by any means. Ed will not have banter with us. No, he did do a podcast episode with us and asked if we were a couple of guys down in our basement drinking beers while interviewing church planners. Yeah, if he only knew how close he was. <laughs> yeah, we weren't we weren't downstairs. We were at Islands interviewing yeah. him. Yeah. That's were did we interview him in Islands? No, that would have been great though. Yeah, we did. Who did we we interview? Oh yeah, we interviewed uh Michael Cheshire in a restaurant. But we, we did, did a, a podcast at uh, Disneyland one time. Remember, we were walking around with the mic. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's back when I had that really cool mic or the recording. What's it called? The Zoom? Not Zoom, the webinar, but it's like a little yeah. recording box thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we also did one. Um, was that when the guy that did like the design studio took us through? Were you there that day? It might have been. It, it might have been. I honestly don't remember. That was cool. 
that was a I, I remember going through Disney with these designers and they were telling you how everything was designed, like the transitions. And they're like, look, you know, um, part of when you're moving people like into a um, like an experience with God, like you don't think about your transitions. What are your and that's true. I will say this. One of the the issues we keep coming up against in our church plant is um people that church plant sometimes don't know particularly core teams they don't know how to to slow down and listen to, to like the vibe of the holy spirit like to to be aware to kind of read the room what is god doing so like i remember um i was getting ready to do something like i could feel the spirit like someone was going to come to christ and then someone completely derailed it right as i opened it up someone said oh hey you know, I was thinking uh, earlier, so-and-so and I were talking about this one song. So-and-so, play this song right now. And it was this like rocking out song. And I just remember like it was gone. And we had to debrief afterwards. I'm like, hey, if we get to that point where things are kind of moving, like, like I don't know if you guys could sense the Holy Spirit in the room, but he was doing business with people. And we absolutely derailed, like, because we didn't read. Like, this isn't a shindig. This isn't a, our gatherings are not a, uh, just, you know, a good old fashioned sing song. And we get together and have a few yucks about Jesus. Like God is here doing business with people. And I am actually doing a podcast where I'm talking, it's called the uh, church planning journal. And <laughs> because, Hey, I got so many podcasts already, Pete. I got this one. I got church plantology is getting released. That's limited edition. And then uh, I think Rob is talking about re resurrecting hardcore. Like whenever we do an interview, it just goes into hardcore. Uh, he was like, that was always my favorite. And uh, then, and I've heard that a lot from people. They just really love the interviews, but I'm doing one called church planning journal where I just every week talk about it in real time. You and I used to talk about that. That was always a dream of mine, which kind of goes back to our story today. That's actually what it was. It was us processing what had just happened in church. And uh, I don't know, should we just jump in? Yeah, I think we should. All right. Well, uh, that story, uh, obviously, you guys are going to get a chance to listen to it right now. And then Pete and I are going to come back and we are going to comment on it after uh, the fact. Like, how does that change? What are the different takeaways? How does it impact you in today's coast, post-COVID? <laughs> but again, one day me talk pretty. Post-COVID world, how does it work now? But before we even get into that, Peyton, we got a story that I told you on Sunday, I think it was, that we had to bring it up on this week's podcast. And yeah. um, why don't you tell everyone that happened at church this last uh, week at Refuge Long Beach? Because I think it's it's a story that church planners need to hear because it's the whole reason church planners go into church planning. Yeah, you know, I, uh, you and I have talked about this before, Pete, that a, a general underlying principle of church planning, um, is that you have to get out there. Um, you, you cannot change the world behind a desk. I mean, in church zero, I'm pretty heavy on that. And, um, there's something that I've noticed when a church that I'm planting starts to get a little more established, 
there's always this sense that you can kind of lose a bit of your edge. And that's always bothered me because I love that kind of, you know, metallic taste of fear, that little adrenaline rush when you're sharing the gospel and you're doing something unexpected and on the edge and you're on an adventure with the Holy Spirit. And then when your church gets established and then the numbers get bigger, you can kind of tend to sit back and, and rest on your laurels a bit and kind of uh, get on the back foot, as the British say. And, and here's the deal. I don't want to rest on my heels. I want to continue to advance the kingdom of God. So, um, like case in point, uh, what, what we do with our leadership. I mean, I'm sick. You could probably hear it in my voice a little bit, but, uh, I, you know, I've got a, a bit of a cold, but, um, last night we were scheduled as a leadership team to hit the streets and, you know, hitting the streets, street ministry, most of the middle class and won't be effective. And so therefore people in middle class areas tend to negate the importance of that. But we've talked about street preaching on another podcast and how important it is to do street level ministry, particularly when you're not reaching the middle class. Um, you're reaching some of the lower economic strata, some of the cultists, ex-cons, um, addicts, prostitutes. Um, that, that all becomes important. So we as a leadership constantly strive to try to keep our edge. So one of the ways that we do that is we keep throwing ourselves, uh, into, um, you know, situations kind of like the, the army national guard, you know, you go out on your weekend maneuvers, you're going to be called upon. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that's my train goes train. right on schedule. And so what happens is uh, every podcast about the same time you hear that, you know, you know, there, there goes the Amtrak or the coaster right by my house. So here's the deal. Um, one, one of the things that, that, that I've learned to do in church planning is, you know, always keep an eye open and always keep my ears open for the Holy Spirit to either show me somebody or to direct me. And, and, and so I was talking with a couple. We're out by the chain link fence out to the entrance of the school where we meet. And there's a pimped out caddy. And, and, and this and, is on Sunday. You're, you're, yeah, church is over. Most people have gone home. So you're just out there talking to them. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it was a Sunday morning where I just felt like I had failed in the pulpit. And I mean, everybody gets those times where you just feel like, man, I was just an embarrassment to preaching everywhere. Um, turns out it, 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 it apparently was some of people's absolute favorite preaching, which ought to tell me something. But here's the deal. I, I felt I failed and I was, I was a little bit busted up inside, you know, as, as I get when, when I feel not, not that I failed to entertain people, but I've, I, I always feel, Lord, I may have misrepresented you. And, um, and anyway, so I was a little bit busted well, you, up. You know I'm, what, Peyton? Why don't you tell, our, our, our one single listener that we have. We have a, a listener, not listeners, just listener. Hey, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell people what you were preaching on that Sunday? Because it ties directly into what happened. Oh, that's funny. You know, I forgot about that. Yeah, we were actually on the Great Commission. And um, it was all about go out and make disciples. And as I'm standing outside, I'm talking to this couple and, you know, I can't remember what we were talking about, but it, at a certain point, I see this pimped out caddy and I can hear it because he's busting the music. You know, it's the the heavy bass, you know, the the rap, you know, and I I look over and the guy 
behind the steering wheel, just slowly cruising down the street. He's looking like bad news. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if this guy's a drug dealer. I don't know what's going on, but I've seen him going up and down this street a couple times. This isn't looking good. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit just whispered to me and said, you need to go talk to him. And immediately, I don't always do that, but immediately, I think because I was in a place where I was feeling a little bit vulnerable and just kind of feeling, you know, all right, hey, what do I got to lose? My ego's already just shredded to pieces, man. And so I, I walk, uh, I just say, excuse me just a minute, there's something I got to do. And just left that couple hanging. And I walk out and the guy is, uh, he's turning around in a three point turn into the drive of the parking lot where we're, we're standing. And I walk up and from a distance now, I'm maybe like 10 feet away. I don't know if he's going to pull out a gun or what. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize what, what Long Beach can be like. So uh, I, from a distance, I say, Hey, I'm a pastor. Um, we got a church meets right here. Just want to let you know. And by then I'm up to the window, the windows rolled down and he's just, he's frozen. He's looking at me and, uh, he's pretty intimidating. He's got cornrows, you know, he's got the, the, the big, uh, you know, Tupac shades on and, um, he's looking the part, man. And so I just say, Hey, um, you know, I'm a pastor. My name's Peyton. I reach my, my hand in, shake his hand. And I say, if you're ever in any kind of spiritual trouble at all, this is exactly what the Lord told me to say. Hey, I'm here for you. All right. Whenever you need something, you, you come see me, ask for Peyton and, uh, we'll, we'll be here for you. We'll help sort you out. And, uh, he just looked at me stunned and he just said, really? And I said, yeah. And he goes, wow, man. That's cool. That's really cool. Thank you. And he seemed genuinely touched and warm. And I, it's not the reaction I expect. I expect him to blow me off. I've been yelled at in Bixby Park by approaching tough guys. They're like, don't ever walk up to me, man. And, uh, so I'm, I'm expecting, you know, he's going to be getting, you know, uh, <laughs> a little bit offended and touchy. And, uh, so I walk back. Well, this last Sunday, um, you know, we we have breakfast. We serve breakfast to the community um, every Sunday morning. So this is, and this is two weeks later. Two weeks later. Oh, and and the funny thing is, I'm riding up to church, and I'm praying in the car. I'm praying just like, Lord, bless the, you know, boom, all the stuff you do. And the Lord just set, lays this guy on my heart again. It's two weeks later. He didn't do it the week before, and he said, "Ask me, ask me to bring him." And so I said, "Lord, bring him." And I, I remember saying in my prayer, you are a supernatural God. You know, just like what I preached two weeks earlier, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Lord, bring him. Show your stuff, Lord. And I, and I said, bear your arm. Cause, you know, it says reveal to whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed. That passage in Isaiah means as if a guy's pulling up his sleeve and he's flexing his muscle. So when you see, you know, it, when it talks about God bearing his arms in the, in the psalm or revealing his arm, he's showing his strength. He's showing his muscle. And so as the Lord flex this morning, you know, show, show what you can do. And, uh, this guy comes walking in and I see some girls tried to kind of guide him and he's looking lost, man. I'm down by the picnic benches, you know, I'm, I'm talking to folks and I look up and he's standing there and he has that look, you know, kind of like the girl, uh, you know, Cinderella at the ball, you know, like she shouldn't be 
be there. She's in the wrong clothes. <laughs> he's just looking like a fish out of water, man. And so I walk up to where he's at. He's, he's like up a couple steps and I go, Hey, man, first thing I say is I said, I, is someone goes, Hey, there he is and points me out. And I'm, I'm walking up to him by this point and I'm like, Hey, man, I knew you were going to come this morning. And he goes, Really? How'd you know? And I'm like, God told me. And he goes, man. And he's like, he's blown away. And, uh, and I'm thinking, like, when I saw him, I swear to you, I'm thinking maybe he's <laughs> committed some crime. He needs to confess. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know anything about this dude. And so I said, well, hey, man, you want some breakfast? He goes, no, I'm good. And he's smelling of alcohol. So, you know, this was typical in Wales where people would have to have a couple drinks before they could get the nerve up to come to church, right? When you're dealing mm-hmm. with a completely unchurched society, people don't realize like how radical it is for an unchurched person with no experience of church to walk into a church. It's as foreign to them as it would be for most pastors to walk in, walk into a strip club. And I say most pastors because I'm sure some are quite comfortable going in there and they probably shouldn't be in there. But, uh, but anyways, the, the, the point is, you know, it's, it's a fish out of water situation. And, um, we sat down and talked, he wanted to know, well, first thing he wanted to know, cause I said, what's your story, man? Like, tell me. And he goes, it would take a long time. And I don't, I don't, I don't think we got that time right now. He goes, it's not a very good story. And I said, well, you know, and he said, well, let me ask you something. He goes, why did you walk up to me that day? And I said, because God told me to. And he goes, for real? And I said, dude, absolutely for real. I said, I'm pretty down to earth. I'm not a freaky weirdo. And every once in a while, God taps me and tells me to do something. I did it. And he just sat back and he was blown away. He's like, man, if you even knew right now how much I needed that, if you even knew what God was was doing in my life right now, my life's falling apart. And, and he goes, and I'm looking, man, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for God. He goes, all I know is Jesus Christ. He's the man. He's the man. And, you know, and the conversation went on like that. I think you ought to tell the next part about what happened because you were sitting right behind me in the worship service. I think you ought yeah, to tell well, the rest. It, you know, it was one of those days where um, my wife, Jamie, and I, we were slow moving. I mean, normally we get to church probably a little bit later than uh, most everyone else as far as breakfast is concerned. And that's because, you know, we've got uh, a young son. He's almost two. He'll be two in a couple more months. So, you know, there's time that's spent just getting him ready and dealing with having a, a kid um, who's that young in the morning and needs you to do everything with him. So I, I remember because I, I got an email from Charlie at uh, like 945. Charlie's one of the other pastors there at the church. And he's like, hey, can you bring some donuts to church? And I'm like, <laughs> so the first thought I have is, oh, okay, you know, we don't have the good breakfast, right? We got the, we got <laughs> the donut breakfast at, at the church. I'm glad I got the heads up. You know, I can grab something first before I go. And um, so I was like, yeah, sure, you know, we'll, we'll pick up some donuts because usually we got to swing by the bank before we head over to church anyway. Oh, and, that's great, man. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Well, that's, but we didn't because we got there late. I mean, we we literally got there about 11 o'clock, which is when uh, church starts. And so, and the night before, my wife had 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 a really hard time with some stuff from work. And, you know, we were both just not fully there, not fully engaged by any means, right? And so we're sitting in our, our usual spot in the church and we take the back row. And it's not because, you know, we're, you know, the back row Christians. It literally stems from just when you have a child that young, 
and we can't really send them. I mean, we go to a church with 30 to 70 people a week, right? I mean, it's tiny. And usually, you know, it's closer to the the 50 person mark, I would guess. I mean, you probably know exactly, Peyton, but, uh, you know, (laughs) it's not like we have a children's church that you can send your your toddler to when when he couldn't even walk for most of the time, right? So we, we sit in the back because he can kind of wander around back there in the back row and it's not really disturbing anyone else. And so we're sitting right behind that guy and Peyton and, um, there came a point when uh, I think we did like one song and then they just opened it up and said, um, you know, would anybody like to share anything of what God's doing in their life? Or do you have a prayer or a verse or anything like that? And it was the funniest thing, right? Because I, I told you on last week's podcast, you know, part of the fun of going to Refuge Long Beach, going to this church plant is you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and like as soon as whoever said that, I don't remember who it was. If it was the guy who was leading worship, I, I don't even know that that particular team. I don't know their names. You'd think in a church that small, I would, but I don't. That's that's what a, a great church member I am. But um, this guy goes, "Oh, I'm not afraid. I'll go up there." And literally, <laughs> he just gets up, walks all the way down, walks up on stage, and see. Normally, when we do that kind of thing, it's. Uh, you know, people will just shout out from where they're at. You know, yeah. this is what's going on. But, you know, he's new to church. He's new to the, our church. And so he's just like, all right, well, you guys are up there in front of the mic. I guess I got to go up there in front of the mic. Yeah, he didn't know the and rules he, at all. Yeah, exactly. He didn't know the rules. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it because yeah. awesome. the funny thing to me is, and, and he just gets up there. And so Jamie and I are like, man, we have no idea what's coming next, right? You know, what's going to come out of this guy's mouth? And and I honestly, at this point, it's been a week now. I don't even remember everything he said. I just remember him just saying, basically, what you said before: Jesus Christ, He's the man, you know. And and my life is, I I can't even remember. I, it was it was it was so heartfelt, and it yeah. was like God is doing something. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm rich on theology. Let me share with you what God is doing. It's like God is doing something. Jesus Christ is the man. And I'm not afraid to get up here and say that. And yeah. um, he said I, something I about that, I want to follow him. I want to. Um, I want to. Uh, he he had a couple wants in there, and um, and people were cheering him on. Like it was it was so obvious that he was brand new. Like you know, yes. like he had no clue what the rules were. And what was really cool was Jerry. Um, the uh, worship leader, uh, he he actually he talked to me afterwards. He's like, "Was that cool what I did?" Because what he did is at a certain point, yes. he leaned over and said, "He he goes, hey man, you want to pray?" And and it, I couldn't tell what he was saying, but he told me later. Neither could I. And he goes, "Neither could I." Yeah, he goes, "Because I didn't I didn't know if you know he was just going to keep talking or what." But uh, then he started to pray, and that that was just amazing. And I. <laughs> I mean, I'll let everyone in on a little secret with me. It's not really a secret, but I am, um, I'm a typical dude, right? Like, you know, I'm not a really emotional person. I don't, you know, get all worked up over things. I'm not, I'm not a crier. And I'm telling you, man, I started to get teary eyed. And this is like not yeah. me. Like, 
Charlie, our other pastor in the church, you know, every once in a while he's praying and, and Jamie and I are like, we don't know if he's going to make it through this one. You know, he's getting choked up, you know, <laughs> and like he's much more in touch with his feelings than I am. <laughs> I guess that's the way to put it, because I, I must not be very in touch. Right. But I'm, I'm like starting to tear up because I'm like, this dude has had a head on collision with Jesus Christ. That's what it yeah. came across as. And as soon as he was done, but that wasn't the end of the story for the morning because the very next gal gets up, another gal who we'd never seen, and she starts sharing her story. So, you know, now apparently you go up to the mic, you know, because this other guy led the way, you know, that's what you do. Yeah. And we don't, we don't typically, just a a word to our church planners out there, we don't typically, encourage people to go to the microphone because it's hard to shut somebody down. So um, if somebody's out in the crowd and shares something or off, you can just out shout them and say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to keep playing worship, everybody, or we're going to pray now. Boom, boom, boom. You can just shut them down pretty easy when they've got the mic, man. They've got the floor. And right. so it was, you know, it was a little bit, hmm, you know, when he jumped up. I just felt a piece about it. And then when the other girl came up, it just, it fell right, fell right into sync with, with what God was doing. And it, it was, uh, uh, it changed the atmosphere. It absolutely changed the atmosphere. It absolutely did. And I mean, her story was to me just as powerful because, you know, she's talking about how I think she used to live in the area. Wasn't that part of it? Or she, cause she had driven by where she had been like 16 years ago and, She'd been in an abusive relationship and, you know, one morning she was going to kill her son and kill her baby and just be done, check out. And she had a head on collision with God. Like the next block over, she said, she pointed and said, right there, you know, six years ago, I was going to take my life. Boom, boom, boom. And, uh, she's, you know, basically was in the, in the punk scene and started talking about everything that happened there. Boom, boom, boom. And it just, I mean, now at this point, both my wife and I are just like, I mean, we can't contain it anymore. I mean, we're just we're <laughs> in the back silently, you know, just crying. And that for me is like very that 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 makes me more uncomfortable than anything else. <laughs> like, you know, I don't I don't want to cry in front of people. That's that's not my gig. But we were just so moved. And Charlie gets up to preach, and one of the things that he said that I thought was just so profound, he goes, you know, I'm always nervous when I come to the pulpit, but on a day like today, I'm even more nervous because I know that God is here today. Yeah. And he actually, you know, he actually says, he actually says, today I'm actually terrified. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it was. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, I left Sunday and it was like our entire day was completely changed. Our entire viewpoint, everything that bad that had happened over the last weekend, it had just changed. It had changed in that moment. It had changed from hearing those stories and to see, you know, people who were having a head on collision with the holy and living God. And, um, it was amazing. And, and that's to me, that's what church planning is all about. And, we kind of talked about this on, on the phone earlier in the week, Peyton, you know, how with church plants, the people who you start with are rarely the people who you finish with. And, yeah. you know, it's they find out church planning is not for them. And we've certainly seen that at Refuge Long Beach. I mean, uh, you know, we, we've made the comment that uh, 
we had a vision meeting for Refuge Long Beach. Was that a year ago or two years ago? That that first yeah. vision meeting that we had at the Holiday two, Inn. Yeah, um, two years ago. Two years ago. And I think most of the people, not not most, no, actually maybe it is most of the people who are in that yeah, room aren't even there anymore. Yeah, most of them. And it's like. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a church plant for you. And, and me, I'm probably the least likely person to still be there. You know, typically because, you know, church has always, as I admitted to last time, it's always just bored me, bored me to tears. And and I'm like wrapped up in this thing going, man, what's going to go on next? <laughs> I can't wait to show yeah. up, you know, just to just to see. And uh, and, and that's what church planting is all about. And and it's just exciting. I, I don't know how to put it any other way. And I, I really hope that our excitement is coming through because it is it is an amazing thing to see when you see you know, the holy and living God showing up and you're like, wow, I, I guess this stuff is real. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's so funny because when you mention about it changing your day, um, I see that happening that that's on a micro scale where it changes your day and what you're describing of why you're still there is really on a macro scale. And that is that your life has changed simply because you're on mission now and it has changed everything. It's changed Christianity. It's changed your focus. It's changed your views. It's changed. I mean, it changes everything when you go on that discipleship mission from, uh, Matthew chapter 28. I mean, to me, you know, I can do a bunch of stuff in ministry. Nothing compares to walking up to that Cadillac. Um, that, that is the stuff that you read about Nax. It's crazy killer stuff that not only do we read about Nax, but we read about in our church history books, our, our, our biographies of Wesley and, uh, Jay Hudson Taylor and all of our heroes. And I can remember getting to a point where I got sick of reading about these guys. I, I've shared before on this program that, you know, I'm a voracious reader. I love to read. But there comes a point at which when you read about something, you're like, okay, when am, when am I going to do it? I can't just sit around reading mountaineering books and, you know, books about Kilimanjaro and, um, you know, all the, the famous peaks in the world. At some point, I'm going to have to start climbing mountains or I'm going to go nuts. And, you know, with all the books I read on these guys, I remember just crying out to the Holy Spirit, Lord, you know, I'm not these guys. And you know that, you know, I'm, I'm just me. I'm the guy who's more comfortable in the office. And I, I make the point in church zero of saying that, Hey, I'm more like Dr. Dr. Jones, you know, like I, I want to stay and, and examine, you know, the archaeological artifacts. I want to theorize about them. And God's like, no, it's time, Dr. Jones, you become indie. And you grab your bullwhip and your fedora hat and you start raiding some temples. And I think when that happens for a church planner, and, and often church planning is the process by which that starts to happen. But even before that, there there's this kind of journey where God gets you to want to church plant. So I totally remember that whole situation. I remember the dude. I, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if you even remember what happened to him. Because I only remember him there like a couple of weeks, a few weeks, something like that. But um, I didn't remember the gal at all. I didn't remember. Like, I can't even imagine who that person was who was talking about um, you know everything she was going through. I think I remember him. who it was. I uh, one of one of our uh, leaders worked at a place where there was a chick from a famous um 
punk band in the eighties. And I won't say who it is to protect her identity. Cause it didn't come up on the, and what she, what she said, I think it was meant for that audience. It was quite, um, quite personal and sure, maybe yeah. a little scandalous. So I'm going to, I'm going to hide the identity, but yeah, she was a drummer from a punk band in the eighties. Um, and that that's, yeah, she, she came that Sunday. Um, after, after I listened to it for a second, I'm like, yeah, I do remember that now. So yeah. That's who that was. Yeah. So, but I mean, I think that's the whole, that's the whole thing about church planning as opposed to, you know, traditional church. And there's, and I'm not bashing on traditional church or anything like that. Cause I, I realize there's a time and a place for everything. And, um, but I do think, uh, you know, obviously having just moved to Texas, I relate everything back to Texas. And I think about, you know, our church, and I think I mentioned this in uh, an episode or two ago, you know, our church is uh, opening up its second campus in, uh, actually, they're doing a dry run on Sunday, and then Easter Sunday, they're officially launching it, and um, and they needed 150 volunteers. Oh, wow. Like, that's three times the size of a church plant. <laughs> like, oh, gosh, maybe, yes. maybe five or six times the size, right? So it's different, right? Because it's a totally different audience than, you know, what I see around me right now. And I'm not saying that, you know, even what our church is doing is is bad or wrong or anything like that. Like the area that they're in, like you, you got to understand how Texas is. Like there's literally multiple churches on every street. And, um, but they're they're doing it in an area that's one of the newer areas there's, I mean, Jamie and I were both like, we drove to it last weekend and we're like, wow, there really aren't that many churches up here. Cause you just see them all over the place where we're at mm-hmm. and just a few miles up the road. Cause it's all new, like it, Texas, Dallas area is expanding North. Right. So these are all mm-hmm. new areas. And apparently, you know, we were talking with someone on Sunday and and there's another church um, that just opened not that long ago. And they've already had to go to five services because there's just not a lot of churches. So they're at five now just to like handle the people. So mm-hmm. I, I get that there's a need and, and I would call that a, you know, definitely a, a nicer upper middle class area. I, I would definitely say there's a need for churches there. And I would also say that's where all, that's where all the church planners want to go, right? They right. want to go to the upper well, middle the- class area. All the church starters. I mean, this this is kind of why people get really well, mad yeah. at plantology, well, I, right? They yeah. they get mad at plantology because I just I just say, hey, you're not a church planner, right? You're a church starter, and hey, there's a need for that, right? Like, there's a need right. for church starting. If there's a bunch of Christians up there, sure, go for it. You know, go go grab them. You know, it saves them gas mileage. That's cool. Um, they do need somewhere to go and gather, but. Church planting would be maybe taking a different approach. And of course, this is where many of us are trying to reform church culture and get them to maybe not do the big church start, but maybe say, what if I grabbed a couple people and we started reaching our neighbors? And that's the church planting approach in those areas. Yeah. And I mean, so it's just, it's a world of difference, right? When you're, you're reaching people with, very blatant need. And I'm not going to say big need because I honestly don't know that it's any bigger than it is in the middle class area. Yeah. It's just blatant, right? Yeah, like it's 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 exposed, 
Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the middle class areas, we got, you know, families with adultery and, you know, they got problems too, but it's hidden. Right. But when you got the gangbanger driving down the street in his car, his lifted car with the cornrows, it's like, um, and, and, you know, like, like you said in the story, you're like, you know, I was, I was a bit afraid to approach the car. God told me yeah. I needed to approach the car. I thought it might I started get shot. Feet out. Yeah. I, I <laughs> thought he might shoot me. Um, yeah. You guys got to understand, this is one of those uh, cars that um, does all the tricks and bounces up and down. And it was a tricked out caddy with the special rims. And it was definitely something. And I mean, when, you know, he had the corn rose and the grill and, you know, he was a white guy, but yeah, he was he not was, a black guy with corn yeah, rose. He was a white he, guy with corn rose. He was rough looking and, you know, had those saggy, you know, pants going to, you know, the whole thing, the wife beater shirt on the, um, but he was very, uh, blinged out and, um, he had just gotten out of prison and, you know, it's funny. Oh, had he really? Okay. Yeah. He had just gotten out of prison like two days ago. And so he was, that was part of his story. I don't know if I mentioned that on the podcast. He had, that's why he was saying Jesus Christ is the man. He said he had been in prison and someone had shared the gospel with him right before he'd gotten out. And he's like, all I know is that Jesus is the man. Like he didn't know anything else. And he said, I, I said, when I was going to get out, I was going to, um, I was going to ask God to, to, to be in my life. So I didn't end up in the same things. Now we never, we never saw him like again. So we don't know what happened. Often people that would be at Long Beach, they would end up back, back inside. Um, when they got out, like it was just where we were at in Long Beach was a rough area. And so what happened was, um, often with our people, like if they went back in, they would get back, they would get heavy discipleship. Like it's hard for ex-cons when they get out, but when they would go back in prison, there's so much discipleship in prison that goes on that we always saw as kind of a good thing. Like us. Oh, Probably, probably better for you than being out on the streets. Louis used to tell us that when he was out is when he got into trouble. When he was inside, he would start getting his life right with God again. And um, that was one of our guys. He he had spent sixteen years in and out um, when he was with us. He was one of the guys we baptized on that crazy day where we just that, that was the day we baptized Eric as well, who got shot by police. So right. when, when I look back on that, um, it's funny, like, it, it's funny what you're talking about, like, like the way that you church start and it's all planned. And like you said, 150 volunteers to hide Easter eggs or what, whatever it is, that's so not our world, right? Like, like I'll be doing a beach baptism on Easter coming up this year where we'll just be out on the beach with lawn chairs and we're going to do a baptism. We're going to freeze our butts off, but, um, but <laughs> it'll be a quick baptism. Uh, but you know, the, the whole idea is that, uh, there's this kind of sense where God comes into the room. I, I, I was, and, and that's what happened. We had opened it up for open time and open time. If you ever want with your church plant to make it so that you're not in control and there's kind of like a wild card that God gets to play, you, you do the open time. And we had trained our team how to do that, what it looks like. And, but it's a way of letting go. 
of your like orchestrated service. It's a way of of saying, God, we want you to come into the room. And I don't know if any of you guys know this, um, young people that aren't listening to Rob's uh, show, that <laughs> you might know you too. They're they're kind of a big band. They're still around. But you too, <clears throat> a lot of people don't know this, that they almost split up because they were convinced that they needed to give their lives to God. And uh, it was um, uh, one of the songs that um, Sunday Bloody Sunday was the song that Edge was working on. Edge was the strongest, uh, where he was like, I, I, I gotta serve God with, with my life. I can't be a rock star. And they were really at this crossroads. They were walking with Jesus. And one night Bono came over and, uh, Edge had Sunday Bloody Sunday playing like he was just riffing on it. And they started writing the song. And that was the song that told him, you know, we could, we could do something different and impact the world for God. Um, we, we could be Christian rock stars, but keep it clean, um, walk with Jesus, um, yada, yada. But one, one of the things that people don't know is that YouTube prays before every concert. Um, they actually gather in prayer. Other, other bands might be taking drugs. They might be getting drunk. They might be, YouTube stands in a circle and prays and they, um, they, play the song almost every concert early on where the streets have no name. And the reason why it's a song about heaven. It's a song that's about inviting people. It was written initially about shanty towns in, uh, uh, during the famine in, it was either South Africa or Ethiopia or whatever, but um, they were involved in a bunch of uh, relief work. And he wrote that song where the streets have no name about the shanty towns, but that uh, there was an invitation to another place where the streets have no name. It's an invite to heaven. And so, but he says, every time we play that song as a band, that's when God walks into the room. That's when we as a band feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon us. And that's, that's why we play it early on because we want to be instruments of of God. And so I, I share that story. I know that's like nothing to do with church planning, but everything to do with God walking into the room, which is really what this podcast was. It was us standing back a week later saying, God walked into the room, mm. like something completely unexpected. And what was amazing to me, Pete, was I had forgotten so much of that story. Like, I'm so glad we encapsulated, like just crystallized some of this stuff and froze it in time. Because what I didn't remember until I went back and listened was I thought I had preached the worst sermon in my life ever. Like there are times you preach and you think I was just a shame, like to the king, like to the body of Christ. I, I was a, I was a stain on the, on the high calling of preaching that day. And I walked out just feeling utterly just shattered and gosh, Lord, I failed you. Like, I don't think I even lifted you up. I don't even think you were proclaimed, you know, well, and I, I was, I was done. Like I was toast. And, um, <laughs> and then I, I remember Clitter's day talking to people outside Luther Burbank and seeing that car go up and down the street, like a shark. And he was looking for somebody. I remember that. And when God just said, walk over there and talk to him and his shock 
when I, and, and I guess I said on the podcast, well, yeah, nothing else to lose. Nothing good came out of the statement. Maybe this is it. Like God took me in my brokenness and used me. Like when I didn't think I was awesome or doing well, like I was actually, I, I remember standing there talking to people, just feeling like, I don't even want to be seen right now. Like I'm mm. still so ashamed of what happened in there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And our weakness, he is strong. I think just the exclamation point on that is, you know, obviously <clears throat> there is a need for church starting and there's a need for church planning. And our podcast has always been about reaching the unreached, right? Reaching, yeah. uh, if you want to go where no one's going, you got to do what no one's doing. You're a how thing goes. I can't remember right now. Yeah. And, <laughs> I always forget it until you say it now. And now I right, remember right. But, um, you know, one one of the needs, and uh, I, I think I mentioned this too. So I was meeting with a guy here in Texas, and you know, we hit it off about like both wanting to do some prison ministry. And so he reached out to me a couple of weeks back. It's like, hey, you know, give me a night that works. I've got a couple other guys who want to get together and want to start doing some prison ministry. And then our good friend uh, Vinny texted me yesterday, and uh, then he calls me and he's like, hey, look, I got a I got a buddy who's down in San Antonio, who's looking at about 40 years and he's going to need some support. Who do you know down there? I don't know if he reached out to you because I, I didn't know if you knew a, a church planner down in San Antonio or not. The guy who led me to and, Jesus lives in San Antonio, actually. No kidding. Yeah. But my point is, is like, that's needed. Like prison ministry is one of those things where it's like, no one really wants to do it, but that's needed. Mm. You know, and I still remember back to, uh, Rick Warren saying, Hey, my two favorite groups to get together with are prisoners and church planners because they're both so lit up for God. And, um, you know, if you are, aren't starting a church, Hey, you know, there's plenty of places where you can reach those who aren't being reached. (laughs) There's plenty of places you can go locally, uh, you know, and, and do that. So you could even be in a church start scenario and still reach those that aren't being reached. Absolutely. No, and the, you know, that's I'm so glad you said that actually, Pete, because that that is like we don't want to crap. That's why I'm saying like I don't want to crap on church starting. Like it is like I don't have a problem with it. What what uh it is often is a short you, you don't have a problem with it, but you did say, you know, you can save people gas money. <laughs> I like the way you. Yeah, said I know, but but here's here's a, I was about to I was about to crap on it again though. Um, it can be a shortcut to bypassing discipleship, and that that's the problem I have. You know, I I've had to say because I'm actually reworking Church Zero right now to republish it, and um, ching Do we still got to do that? I do, don't I? That's our rule. Oh yeah. Right? Dude, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I'm reworking that right now. And, and, you know, all of my books have like a cohesive thing that ties them together, except for that book. It was my first book. I didn't know how to tie a book together. You know, it was like a bunch of different essays, um, I suppose. And, and so I, 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 I revamped it and reworked it a bit recently. And really the core of that book, is Acts 2.42. It's, here's the golden age of the church. This is why they were so powerful. And the reason they were so powerful was because of Acts 2.42, that they they uh, met 
you know, they, they met daily, they devoted themselves to uh, the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread to fellowship and prayer. Um, they moved uh, daily from house to house and temple courts, shared all things they had in common. Um, that is about the people. That was about gift activation, gift-driven ministry. It was because these people were so well discipled. That's why we consider that the, the high point of the church. Acts 2.42 is not about leaders. It's about well-discipled people. And so if you're going to church start, all well and good. But church planning starts with sowing the seed of the gospel, discipling, watering through discipleship, and then reaping a harvest. So that is church planning, just plain and simple. Church starting is building the big structure and edifice and systems and the 150 volunteers that can hide Easter eggs and all those programs or whatever. And if you're going to do that, you're going to stand before Jesus one day, and he's going to ask you, did you? Make disciples, like I asked in the Great Commission. And if you're like, well, no, Lord, I, 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 but I look at this cool big thing I started. Jesus might go, well, I didn't ask you to do that. Remember, I, I was clear. I asked you to go into all the world, make disciples, uh, baptizing in the name of the, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things. I oh, teaching, I did that part. Okay, okay, that that was the smallest part of this, <laughs> but there there were bigger things um, that that I asked you to do, and and I guess what I'm saying is Paul says each one ought to be careful how he builds. Right, um, you can build on the foundation that is Christ, or you can build, you can start and build on the wrong foundation. And Paul says each one's work will stand before the judgment. Some will be shown to be. Uh, gold, jewels, and precious stones. Others will be shown to be wood, hand, stubble, which will burn away. And I know I'm getting super serious on this. Like, oh, hey, great. Peyton, talk to us about the judgment of God. But if we're not, if we're, we, we can do a bunch of things that Jesus didn't ask us to do and spend our entire lives doing that. So what I'm saying is if you're going to be a church starter, Trojan horse that as a way to make disciples like, you know, and, and I can pull out a few examples of that, like Jeff Vanderstelt, right. Who um, took Mark Driscoll's church after it fell apart and, and turned it into Doxa and infused his uh, Soma community's DNA into it. And obviously it's not like Soma's community is a big gathering. Uh, Jeff would tell you it, it, it changes dynamics. Um, I've never walked that road. I've never done that. So I can't speak into it, but by all means, like, like I do think people have to be really serious about what did Jesus ask me to do? And if I'm expecting to be rewarded uh, for it, it's like I could go start an ice cream truck and give out, give out um, ice cream cones with John 316 printed on the bottom and, you know, squirt the face of Jesus with hot fudge on every single one and tell him Jesus loves him and hand that out. And then think I'm doing God's work. And maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Maybe Jesus goes, well, that was cool. You know, you gave people ice cream. I commend you for that. I don't think they needed my face on it, um, but I like where your heart was at. So anyways, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I'm just saying, um, well, I'm going too long. Pete's telling me, hey, shut up. So I'm going well, to. It's hard. It's hard <laughs> because they got to splice in. That is true. 
a bunch of stuff that we, you know. So. I know, but I got going on my rant. <laughs> well, no, I think no. I was really glad that you uh, you made me go back and re-listen to that because I totally forgot all about that. Yeah, me that too, experience. man. But that's what made church planning fun. Yes. That's why I think I'm so itching to get back into some kind of frontline something or other because this going to a big show, it's not for me. Well, dude, I hope, I hope, Pete, that this second round now, we get to hear your church planning story. <laughs> Come on, brother. Dude. <laughs> and with that, if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. <laughs> That's a good way to close that off, Pete. <laughs> <laughs>